Welcome to the C12 Podcast. My name is Matt, and today we have Paul Neiman in the final week of our series called Miracles. And this week, Paul will be speaking on the miracle that is the grace that we are given. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. How's C12 doing tonight? You guys doing good? Guys, it's a special night, a special night. Uh, can't wait for tonight. And hey, I've been out for 22 days. So like, I'm ready to go. 22 days, okay? First of all, I was sick for a week, and then I was sick for another week, and then I went on vacation, and I was sick that week too. But I cannot go on vacation and not bring back the cutest picture of my daughter. This has nothing to do with anything, but this is little Sayla right here. She's freaking cute, like so cute. Uh, she turned two years old, we celebrated at the beach, and so she's the best. She's talking a lot more now, and uh, we love her. So that has nothing to do with anything other than you're welcome, okay? She's super cute. Uh, so we've been in this series on miracles. You guys been liking this series on miracles? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna finish it up. Is this the end of the series? Yes, it is, because we start a brand new series. We start a brand new series next week, right? Next week on the church, right, Alex? That's right. You guys are all giving me the heads up. Good. I know what I'm talking about. Been back for two days. I know what I'm talking about. So we're in this series of miracles. We have talked about Jesus turning water into wine, right? which you thought gave you permission to drink alcohol all the time. It didn't, all right? We talked about healing the Roman official's son. We talked about what God did in seven nights of prayer. How many of you were uh, able to go to at least one for seven nights of prayer? Man, incredible, incredible. God is so powerful and kind. Um, we talked about Peter walking on water, and we talked about the miraculous catch last week about failure not being final. I wanna pick up on what Alex, uh, where Alex left off last week. Alex did a great job, didn't he? Alex talking about faith, talking about story. Alex, thank you be, for being uh, vulnerable with your story and uh, what God has been doing in you. Tonight, we're gonna continue the story of Peter. And uh, Peter, Peter's story is crazy. Like if you, if you look back at all the things that uh, Peter said and did, you're like, how did this guy end up being uh, the foundation on which Jesus built his church, right? Like Peter's story is crazy. I'm just gonna go through it just, just a little bit, okay? He seems to never understand a parable. Have you, have you noticed this about Peter? Like the disciples in general, they, they have trouble understanding Jesus's parable. And let's be honest, we today still have trouble understanding Jesus's parables. He talked in stories. That's how he, that's how he taught back then. But Peter in general got called out more than the other, other disciples. And I love this one. He's talking about um, in Matthew 15, he says, can you explain that to us, Jesus? And Jesus goes, are you still so dull? Like Jesus responds to this way to Peter. Okay, so that, that happens. Then he gets in trouble by Jesus because all the children are trying to come to Jesus and Peter's like, no, 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 no. And Jesus is like, hey, you idiot, like bring the children to me, you know? So that's another part of Peter's story. Then he argues with the other disciples about which one is the greatest. Like they're arguing and Peter's the instigator about which disciple is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, okay? Then, uh, then he asks, uh, okay, then this is the crazy part of, of, of the story. This happens in the, in the middle of four verses. Peter um, uh, is asked who, uh, by Jesus, who do, you think, who do you think I am? And Peter actually asks it 
or answers it the right way. He says, you're the Messiah. Other people say this and this and this, but I believe you to be the Messiah. And Jesus literally says this. He says, blessed are you, Peter, on you. I will build my church. I will give you the keys of the kingdom in heaven. So things are looking good for Peter, right? Like Peter's like, I'm back. You know, I'm back in the good graces. Literally four verses later, Jesus rebukes Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. This is in four verses, four verses. So Peter's life is like, I'm doing good. I'm an idiot. I'm doing good. I'm an idiot. That's how Peter's story is. And then we find him, uh, obviously, Peter uh, denies Jesus not once, not twice, not three times. And then after he denies Jesus, he, he feels like he's a failure. So he goes back to his, his worldly profession and fishing like Alex talked about last week. And he sees Jesus on the beach. He jumps out of his boat, such a Peter thing to do. And this is where we pick up with Peter's story. And I wanna use this as a, as a backdrop for what I wanna talk about today. So let's, let's read it together. Uh, John chapter uh, 21, it says this. When they had finished eating, so Jesus and, and Peter and the disciples are eating on the beach. And you gotta think, like, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to the place that you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said, follow me. Let's pray. So God, would you teach us would you teach us about the story of Peter and how he glorified you even through his failure and through his success? In Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about miracles, right? We're still talking about miracles. So you're saying like, Paul, where's the miracle here? Like, where's the miracle? Nothing miraculous happened. Like it happened on the boat with this, with this miraculous catch of fish. But where's the miracle here? And I'm telling you right now, like Jesus gives this guy another chance. Like that's the miracle that's happening. Jesus gives this guy another chance. That's the miracle. And I'm sure Paul in this moment is saying, what, what, you, talk, you talking to me? Like I, I can, I'm back in? Like you, you, you're saying that you're giving me another chance? And, and, and Peter in this moment is like, maybe, maybe he, oh, it was dark. Maybe he thought it was John that denied him. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe, 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 maybe he thought it was John. How was how, how Jesus giving Peter another opportunity? We like to think of Peter as the guy that denied Jesus and then getting ready and stated. No, Peter's the guy that screwed up over and over and over and over and over again. And in the midst of the greatest screw up in human history, denying Jesus once, twice, three times, the next time he sees Jesus, Jesus didn't even skip a beat. He said, keep following me. 
keep following me. Then we find him in Acts chapter two, right? Acts chapter two, they're in a little bit of a mess. They're getting made fun of by this large crowd, Peter and the disciples, remember Jesus is gone. Now the disciples are carrying on the church. They're carrying on the message of Jesus. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes and all these people are talking in tongues in this native language and they think that they're drunk. And so they're getting made fun of. And, and you, you, you would kind of see this happening, right? Jesus is gone. And so there's a ton of people that do not think that Jesus rose from the dead. And so when they see these, these guys, they're thinking that they're, they're weirdos. Like, you just followed a guy for three years. You gave up your life to follow this guy, and now he's gone. What do you have now? Like, they think that they're idiots. And Peter's the one that stands up, and he addresses the entire crowd. And when I talk about a crowd, I'm not talking about this crowd. I'm talking about thousands and thousands of people, thousands of people. And Peter stands up, and he delivers an unbelievable sermon in, in Acts chapter 2. And it said that 3,000 people come to know Christ. Incredible. What happened to this guy? A miracle. A miracle happened to this guy. And the miracle that happened was in Peter. Don't miss it. Most often, when you and I think about miracles, we like to think about the ones that change someone's circumstance. That's the miracle. Jesus gave sight to the blind man, and he changed how he saw. He changed his circumstance. He changed his life. Jesus healed the lame man. He changed how he walked. He changed his circumstance. Jesus took the two fish and the five loaves. He multiplied it by thousands and changed what was for dinner. Jesus changed the circumstance. When you and I think about miracles, we like to think about the miracles that change things around people and for people and to people when the very miracle that God wants to talk to you about is the miracle in you. That's the miracle. And listen, that's the miracle we all miss all the time all the time. The miracle that God desires to do in your life is the one within you. And the reason that we miss it is because we are so fast to center our prayers around God changing the things around us. God, would you change my job? Would you give me a miracle and hire me at some company? God, would, would you provide a miracle and a bigger paycheck? Would you change my boyfriend? He sucks. We all like to do that because those are the miracles we can see. We like the miracles we can see, but the very miracle that God wants to do is in you. It's within you. The miracle to free you from your addiction your appetite, your sin. You can't see that. Miracle to free you from your insecurities. Could you imagine if God could free you from your insecurities? It's in you, how you see yourself, your identity. Imagine if God could free you from what you attach yourself to, your heart and your mind and your soul your pride, imagine if God could set you free from your own pride, wouldn't that be a miracle? Man, if God could set you free from fear and anxiety, depression, the miracle of God to save you, 
Some of you don't know Jesus. You're looking for miracles all around you. The very miracle that God is begging to do in you is to give you his forgiveness. What greater miracle is that than that? The very miracle God wants to wake us up to tonight are not the ones that he can do for us, to us, around us, honestly, not even with us. It's not the the miracles that we can see with our eyes. It's the one that we can feel in our soul. Because here's the tension. Some of us in this room think that we're no longer candidate, candidates for God's miracles. We don't think that we're candidates for God's miracles. We think we're too far gone. We're too distant. We're too broken. Too sinful. No, God can't do a miracle in me. Imagine Peter putting his head on his pillow that night. All of his dreams. All of his hopes. Gone. He said, I'm out. I'm out. Got to go back to fishing. I got nothing left. Jesus can't use me. I screwed up. You're not too broken for God not to put the pieces back together again. You're not. Do you know my God? Have you heard the stories? There's not a miracle that he can't do. You're not too lost for God not to find. (laughs) You're not. You're not too distant for God to draw near. Your past is not too dark for God to bring in his light. Your sin is not too great for God not to forgive. Maybe tonight God wants to ask you to stop asking for miracles all around you and be as desperate for a miracle in you as much as he is. He desires it. And all you gotta do is surrender. So Peter did. And Peter surrendered over and over and over again. Things that drive me nuts. People say, why God, why doesn't God do any miracles anymore? Did you ever hear that? Why doesn't God do any miracles? I'd be like, he's doing one right now by letting you breathe. Like it's called grace. Grace is the miracle. Grace is the miracle. And we, how often do we miss grace? The greatest miracle of all. We're looking for the wrong miracles, y'all. We got one right in front of us called grace every single day. Soak in it. Be grateful for it. Tell God how he does it in your life over and over and over and over again. Your list will never be stopped because grace never runs out. The miracle is grace. 
And grace is how you move forward. It's not striving. It's not a paycheck. It's not strategy. It's not wisdom. It's grace. Grace is how you move forward in life. Let me illustrate. Over and over and over, God does this pattern with these giants of faith. When we talk about giants of faith, who, who, do we, who do we say? Who do, who, do we, who do we look at? Who's in Hebrews chapter 11? Give me a name. Abraham. Right, Moses, good. That's the one in my notes, right? Good, good. <laughs> Moses. <laughs> Abraham also. Okay, think about Moses' life. Think about Moses' life. For the first 40 years of his life, he grows up in Egypt. He's the man right? He, he is the man. He is, he is in Egypt. Life couldn't be better for him. And then he realizes that his people are in slavery. And so he wants to do something about it, right? Like he wants to take it in his own hands. And so what does he do? Does anybody remember what he does? He kills a guy. He literally murders a person and then he buries him. And then someone finds out and then he has to flee. So the first, first 40 years of Moses's life, it's up and to the right. And then God sends him away. Does anybody know where he sends him? To the desert, right? And then you know the future of Moses. Like, man, Moses spent a lot of time in the desert. That really sucks. Yeah, it does. So, so Moses thought at this point, I can do all things through myself who strengthens me, right? I can do it. And God says, you can't. And so he sends him in the desert for 40 years down here in this pit for him to understand that it's not about him and it's not about what he can do, it's about what God can do through him. And so God comes back to him at the burning bush and says, hey, I want you to set my people free. And what was Moses' response? Oh, I, I can't do that. What? what? What are you talking about? 40 years ago, you're like, God, I got this. Bam! And then 40 years later, Moses' response is, oh, I can't, I can't, God. Not me. I, I'm, not good at, I'm not good at things. You can't use me. And then what happens? What happens? God uses him in, in mighty ways to deliver his people out of Israel or out of Egypt and into the promised land through the Red Sea. It's unbelievable. That's, that's the trajectory. Think about, think about Joseph, right? The beginning of Joseph's life. Joseph's life's awesome. It's really awesome. Remember? Remember, Joseph? I'm standing. Y'all are bowing. I'm going to have a great life. You're going to serve me. I got dad's cool coat. Like, things are great for me. All the way up and to the right. Then what happens? He, he gets thrown in a pit. And then, he, and then he goes to Potiphar's house where he really doesn't do anything wrong, right? Women. And then he goes into prison and he's in prison for a while, and he gets asked to interpret a dream, and what's his response when somebody says, hey, somebody told me that you can interpret a dream. What's his response? Oh, I can't, but I know who can. Then what happens? God uses Joseph to rescue an entire nation from famine. Talk about David, right? David, as a child, things are going pretty good for David. He's getting anointed king of an entire nation at a young age. He's getting anointed by God's prophet. 
And then he's up here. He says, I'm going to be king. Think about that as a kid. I'm going to be king. This is awesome. Slash a little scary, right? What happens in this setting right here? He gets spears thrown at him. He is chased all over God knows where for his life. I mean, he runs for over 15 years before he actually gets the throne. And then God uses him in mighty ways. And and who does God call him? What does God call him in the Bible? A man's after God's own heart. Now he screws up, right? Women. Just kidding. It was totally David's fault. (laughs) Riley's like, I was going to (laughs) say. This is the trajectory. Over and over and over again, we see that this is God's pattern. And the thing about it is when we're here in these seasons, we view them as getting stuck in the mud. Right? That's how we view them. God views them as a setting for his miracle. You know how many people miss God's miracle because they miss what God's doing in them and they sit here for a long time. They end up walking away from the faith because they think God has forgotten them. They take their own life because they don't think it's worth it anymore. They start believing that they're no longer a candidate for God's favor and blessing and God's miracle. And they miss out on this. I wonder if we were to wake up to the greatest miracle that is grace within us that we would see God's favor, God's blessing, and God's miracle that is setting us free from the things that hold us back in here, not out here, in here. The path to moving forward is often God doing something in us before he does through us. If you've been at 12 Stone for any length of time, you know that this is how God works. God usually does something in you before he does something through you. I love the way that uh, A.W. Tozer uh, uh, says it, and uh, it's one of my favorite quotes, actually. It says this, the experience of men who walked with God in olden times agreed to teach that the Lord cannot fully bless a man until he has first conquered him. The degree of blessing enjoyed by any man will correspond exactly with the completeness of God's victory over him. This is God's pattern. And if I were to compel you for anything, it would be don't miss it. Don't miss the pattern. Don't miss the pattern because you're tired. Don't miss the pattern because you're jealous. Don't miss the pattern because you can't see something clearly. Don't miss the pattern because someone else tells you there's no hope. Don't miss the pattern because you believe the lie that Satan tells you. Separate truth from lie. 
the path to moving forward is grace in you. It's the best miracle that I can tell you about today. And God's been doing things in this ministry, hasn't he? You believe that? God has been doing things in this ministry. Nine people rededicating their life to Jesus just last week. Come on. God is doing incredible things in this ministry. And God is doing incredible things through this ministry. And God wants to, desires to, and I'm telling you, he will continue to do things in you if you let him. And he will continue to do things through you if you let him. And God will take this ministry to places that you have never dreamed about that you can't imagine right now. God has more for this ministry that you could even see. God desires it for you and through you. That's the pattern. It's the pattern for people. It's the pattern for groups of people. It's the pattern for ministries and it's the pattern for churches. No wonder why we're talking about as a church about how God is wanting us to move forward. He has been doing things in us and now it's time for God to do something through us. It's the way he works. And so he has given us things, insights, vision, opportunities, clarity, and we're going after them. God wants to move us forward as a church and God wants to move us forward as a ministry. Now here's what we know about the Bible and here's what we know about uh, the stories and the nations that moved forward. At the end of the day, who moved Israel forward? Was it Moses or God? God. At the end of the day, who, who moved the nation forward? Was it, was it uh, Joshua or was it God? God. Joseph or God? David or God? Peter or God? We see this play out with Jesus. Come to earth. Everybody thinks that you're gonna overthrow the Roman Empire. Everybody thinks you're gonna be king. You don't think he had some thoughts? And then what happens? 40 days in the desert getting tempted. Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. Surrender. No matter who leads this ministry, you understand that God leads it. You understand that, right? Yes. But oftentimes, listen, don't miss this. Oftentimes, God uses a leader to move forward. It's how God works. And I'm here to tell you that God has chosen and anointed your next leader to move C12 forward, and that leader is Alex Carney. <laughs> Alex, come on up. So they're gonna bring a couple chairs up here, and um, I'm sure I'm sure this happened in olden times too. You know, like when you're talking about, you know, Moses and Joshua and things like that, they put up a, a joint picture, you know, like I'm sure this is true. Um, we're gonna have a conversation. And as, as we have a conversation, as we go back and forth talking about um, this, we're gonna stay in this lane, 
okay? We're gonna stay in this lane because you know this a little bit from last week. And there's a reason that we shared that story from you last week, but you don't know the depths of it. You, you don't know what God has done in this man, inside of the breaking, inside the surrender, inside the humility. You don't know the depths and you probably never will. But I wanna tell you something, there is no one that God has anointed for this ministry than Alex Carney. There is no one that prays for you more than he does. There's no one that loves you more than he does. There's no one that thinks about you more than he does. There's no one. In the world, when there is a leader chosen, it's a debate. You can say yes to him or her, or you can say no to him or her. That's why we have elections, right? Kingdom doesn't work that way. In the kingdom, when God anoints a leader, you say yes. That's what happened to us, and that's what's happening to you right now. There is no decision here. There was no decision for us. God anointed a leader, and we said yes. That's all this is. And that's what I believe, and that's what the leadership team believes, and we believe that God has incredible things in store. One might say we're super excited about it, <laughs> about how God is moving this ministry forward, and so I think we should sit. I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions. Yeah, yeah. First of all, do you remember the first time you and I talked over the phone before you got here mm. to the residency? <laughs> do you remember this? Oh, for sure, like okay. without a doubt. Let's, let's share how you got here uh, because you first joined the residency. How did you get into the residency? So uh, come back to uh, South Dakota where I was at the time and I was like, man, I don't know if like, people liked me. You always like, did this, did this win? Uh, and so <laughs> Paul's like, well, you should hear from me by the end of the week because I'm gonna give you a phone call. So uh, I was getting ready to be in a wedding and uh, Paul calls, and I'm literally, I, I'm changed already. The ceremony's about to happen. And Paul goes, hey, man, what's up? Like, how, like, how you doing? Like, what's going on? And I say, well, I'm about to be in a wedding, and it's literally about to start. And he goes, okay, well, I'll just keep it short. Um, I, man, I don't think you're, like, a great fit for the residency. Uh, I don't think you, like, fit well here. I don't think, like, culturally it, it'd be a good thing. Uh, and so, like, on the phone, I'm like... Okay, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, it's like a five-second... Like five First second, of all, uh, who, who picks up when you're about to go to the wedding? You know, like... That's, this, is, this is a big position. I know, it's a big that's, thing. that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I, was, I, I was like, man, that's, that's pretty awesome that you picked up. You know? It was a five-second five pause. And uh, I like, took it in fact, okay, I didn't get it. You know, that sucks. You're trying to keep like, composure on the phone. And it was like an awkward three seconds. I was like, well, who talked to you? Me? Like, what else do I got to say? And uh, he goes, bro, you got the job. Relax. Chill out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... I don't even know you. I don't know. Can I laugh like this? And now like... we know each other. And we love each other. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We had a lot of great moments in Canada. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we, you did introduce me to Canada. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, it was Canada. And Paul uh, yeah. embarrassed me in front of the whole Canadian airport. No, you embarrassed yourself. We'll I... tell that story later. <laughs> the story I want to tell is, is the most important story because this trajectory of life 
you are very familiar with. Yeah. And we talked about it a little bit, but you shared a little bit of your story last week. Um, in Moses, God put humility in him. Uh, in Joseph, humility, perspective, insight in him. Yeah. Um, David, humility in him. Um, what did God put in you in that season? And you can choose, obviously, how much you wanna go into it, but in seasons of life, God usually does something in us. It's our responsibility to see it, right? And to recognize it. And maybe for some of you, you've had those seasons, but you've never taken the responsibility that is yours to go find out what God actually did. Um, maybe it's too painful for you to go back to and, and, and you pretend like it didn't happen. That's why you see a counselor, yeah, right? That's why you go talk to a pastor and figure out what happened there and what, God, what is God doing in me? It matters that you know what God has done in you because then you, you, you can use those things that God has done in you when God decides to use you. And there's nothing like it. Uh, you, you begin to be credible in ways that you never earned, God just gave you. Uh, and it's a gift. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's what's happening to you. Yeah. So tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, that was back um, in 2019. A lot of you guys know that story, that journey I shared a little bit last week. Uh, actually started out as a C12 resident and then uh, left uh, the residency program in October, uh, went to go work with the uh, Gwinnett Fire and Emergency Services. I wanted to use uh, medical training in war-torn areas. And uh, this was kind of a, something in brewing for uh, the last you know, few years, even when I was up at uh, Kingswood in Canada. And uh, there, there are things that, uh, here's the voice of God, and then like here's inclinations and stirrings of what you think God's doing. And sometimes you just pull triggers out of that and it's kind of a risk. Like I don't really know. God didn't really say, but I can see the two and two going together. Uh, and so I just went for it. I pulled the trigger on something that I was excited about, passionate about, uh, and, and uh, inside of C12, I mean, in that season, I mean, God blew this ministry up. I mean, there was, uh, uh, man, people up front every week after service, I mean, spontaneous baptisms, people coming to know Jesus, uh, people being uh, healed and, and freed of things, uh, and I was like, man, I feel like I've done my job here. Like, I, I feel like, I'm, I'm, like I've not arrived, but I feel like, okay, my season here in C12 is done, and when I went to step out uh, of the residency to now join this position, uh, there was actually two devotionals uh, that people on staff did, and uh, they both uh, did a, a devotional on, uh, on, on posture over position. Mm. And it's not about the position that you have. Mm. And, and sometimes when you want to like, you have a calling on your life, you want to make an impact, uh, you, you have high dreams and you have a, a high vision for your own life. And, and, and in it, you start to chase more the influence of it. And so what title can I have? What position can I, can I go after? Mm -hmm. And inside of that, those two uh, devotionals is what mess with me. When I look back and reflect on those, those are two things that come to mind. Another guy who actually leads in medical missions, I sat and talked to him on the phone for over an hour. And I said, how did you get to where you're at? How did you get to this title, this position? Again, I'm in that mindset of mm -hmm. what's your position? What's your title? He cut me off in the first five minutes. And he, all he did was talk about David. And he talked about how David uh, loved and cared for the sheep. And he said, mm -hmm. David didn't learn to be a king while he was a king. He learned to be a king while he was a shepherd. And he, he just, he loved, he loved the sheep. This, this is what God did in David. And it was nothing about the position that he had. Jeez. God appointed him for that position because of what God did in him. Yeah. And sometimes you like to flip the roles. 
it's not your job to fight for titles and positions. God does that for you. It, it's God's responsibility. And when you flip the roles, you end up in, in a season where that happened for me. And I chased, I, posased, I chased positions over a posture. And inside of the academy, I had a now new position. It was a recruit. Hated it. Hated that position. I mean, it dismantled me. And for eight months sitting inside that program, no one, no one cares who you are. No one knows who you are. No one cares what you've done. No one knows what happened inside C12. No one knows that the ministry blew up. No one knows uh, that this man, we packed out this whole room. No one remembers how the volunteer man culture grew by double in size. See, no one remembers that. And so when I got there, my title and my position was a recruit. God did something in me. I hated the position, but I'll never forget mm. the disposition that it did in my soul. Yeah. And when I got back to the residency, God, I will forever be a recruit in your kingdom. I'll forever take that. Mm. Because I want a posture to serve. Yeah. And when you get so caught up, and so there's things over the academy that I, I, I had to lose things in failure so I could gain better things through humility. Yeah. Peter, what he did is that he, he lost things in his failure. Yeah. So when he failed, now he's on the shore side. Now he's, well, I failed, I messed up. And what he lost in failure was maybe his own pride, maybe his own arrogance, maybe his own self-sufficiency. Well, I, maybe I can just follow Jesus at a distance. Mm -hmm. I wonder if Peter's decisions would have been different had he been closer to Jesus. And so now over this time at the academy, <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I push, I follow Jesus at a distance. And so here I am chasing positions, chasing titles that I had to gain better things through humility. So I lost my own pride in failure so I could gain a better clarity about my calling through humility. Mm. And God had to do that in me. And I had to be solidified of that and that mm. led me back uh, into the residency program. That's so good, dude. You're, what you're saying is nearness to God is the path to your miracle. Yep. And... How kind of God to draw near to you in those seasons. Mm -hmm. Most of us miss that. We miss the miracle of nearness. Um, so you came back and uh, then we hired you uh, on central staff uh, to be spiritual formation pastor. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we had an opportunity to create a leadership team for C12, and Alex, uh, you were on it, and then God started to mess with you even more. Mm -hmm. And tell me about the things that God was doing in you that were specific to C12, because it was visible. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, um, but then not only was it visible, it was um, very clear because you told me. <laughs> so what was God doing in you C12 specific yeah. in that season. Yeah, I think going back to the whole uh, position posture thing, you know, I think, uh, like I said, I think sometimes you wanna fight for your own position and, and really it's, it's, it's God's responsibility. And I knew that it was the church's responsibility to get me where I'm at. So no matter what title, no matter what position I had, I'm just gonna serve in and inside the C12 leadership team. I mean, I just, as soon as I was in it, I was like, oh God, I'll stay up all night thinking about, man, what could God do inside C12? What could God do uh, in your life? What could God do in this room? What could God do outside of it? Uh, I just began to vision and dream and I just got more excited. I know, because like, I, mean, I got those texts at midnight. <laughs> uh, just like, you know, hey, I, I really believe, hey, God could do immeasurably more if we ask for it. And so uh, there are things that uh, throughout that time that the more I was in this room, the more my mind just got to, to spin and to dream it a little bit. And, and when you look at the life of Peter, you know, I, uh, I come back to his story a lot because I resonate with that. 
and, and, and oftentimes, I mean, Peter in the book of Acts, you hit on it. He was a totally different Peter. Yeah. I mean, even Acts 4, I mean, when, when he had the, all that courage and he stood before all the elders and, and they said, well, what, what kind of, like, who are you, basically? Uh, and he said, well, uh, and they recognized that Peter had just been with Jesus. That's all that it was. He didn't have some title. He didn't have some, oh, he's some big fancy guy. No, he'd just been with Jesus. Peter was totally different. I mean, he carried this courage. It's the same uh, 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 God confidence. It's the same spirit. That, that, that we all have right now. And so there's things inside of Peter's story that I resonated with because oftentimes we, we, we know that we have the same spirit, the same power that mm-hmm. was in Peter in the book yep. of Acts, yep. yet we live like we still have denied Jesus. Yeah, Jeez. You still carry that and you still feel like a failure. And now you don't have a high vision for your life. Yeah. Now you don't have a high dream. So I had to allow God to do that in me of, I gotta, I gotta move back. I, I, I gotta have God just resolve the failures in my own life. Yeah. I almost had to have a funeral for it. Yeah. And there's people that called me out. Like I, almost, I almost talked about it too much. <laughs> like stop digging up things that are already dead. Don't go back to things. If God, already, if God has already reconciled that in you, if God's already restored that in you, move on. Grace is what moves you forward. And so now stepping That's for into, somebody in here. <laughs> as That's for, good, dude. Uh, uh, inside of C12, now stepping into that, you kind of start to hit your stride. And I was like, man, I, I, gotta, I gotta move on from that and resolve things that God did in me. Now move forward uh, and sitting up at night at dreaming about C12. Uh, I think there's, there's countless things that God could do. Yeah. There's countless things that God could do. And I think if there's anything over COVID, we, we have probably lost our ability of what it means to dream again. Over the last 18 months, there has probably been things that you're like, well, I don't know. I've just gotten stagnant in my faith. Stuck. I I pushed away from God. I have drawn away from community. I have not been at church and see over the last 18 months, I think there's been a bigger danger that I've stopped dreaming because your dream life is equal to your prayer life. If you're not dreaming, you're not praying. If you're not praying, you're probably not dreaming. (laughs) When you step into God's presence and you begin to pray, I think God shows you his power and he shows what's possible. Yeah. So I'm gonna bring things that I don't know. I, I don't know. That's why we're in this series. Yeah. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, I'm taking what's impossible and I'm taking it to you, to you because you're gonna make it possible. Mm-hmm. So I'm bringing him all the things of the last 18 months. Well, God, how do we move forward? What does this mean for us as a ministry? That, hey, God's gonna begin to make things possible inside C12. Yeah. Uh, and I really believe that the, better, the best days are yet to, are yet yeah. to come. Yeah. And uh, you, you said something that's so impactful for the way that we live life um, we, we chase worldly success all the time. Like, what's, mm-hmm. the, what's the title? What's the position? Yep. And um, the story of Peter reminds us of the same thing that you just reminded us of, and it's this. It's not about what you do. It's about who you love. Yep. Think about it. Peter messed up because he did something, and he defined himself by what he did. Jesus came back on the beach and defined him by who he loved. And in this season, God started to define for you. It's not about the position, it's about who you love. And God started to to tell you, you love C12. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. And so your position started to match up with who you loved not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so the C12 pastor position is in response to who you love. That's what it is. Yeah. And I think yeah. that matches Peter, which is why you're probably drawn to Peter. Yeah. Um, so you have dreams for C12. You never stop talking about them to me and Josh uh, and Yona. So 
what are some dreams, what are some ways that you believe that God is taking this ministry forward? Mm-hmm. What, what, what are things that you would say, man, I, I've been in the prayer closet. God has given me some things for this ministry. What is it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think a couple of those things, obviously, if you guys have been around C12, you know that we've been in a, uh, probably a season of rebuilding community. And uh, over COVID, you probably have felt like, oh, I lost that, or maybe I don't have that, maybe church community like I want to. I, I don't have those, uh, you know, maybe close friends. And if you've been around Tulsa in general, we've been in that. <laughs> and, and I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll speak on this just because I know uh, Pastor Kevin, founder, Stephen, uh, founder, founder senior pastor, uh, he went over this in a podcast and it forever wrecked me. Uh, that there are things over COVID that we lost. <laughs> and, and as a church, uh, you know, I think that it's easy, and even as followers of Jesus, uh, going back to the life of Peter, when he follows Jesus at a distance, if I'm not close to Jesus, I'll get close to another agenda. Mm. And if I get close to that agenda, then I'll keep Jesus just kind of in proximity. <laughs> and if I don't have an intimate relationship with Jesus, then I'll make everything else the driving force of how I live my life. And so now you see that in culture all the time. I mean, people chase fads, they chase trend, they, uh, all the trends. What's the hot topic in culture? What's the new thing to post about? What's the new thing to argue about? What's the new thing to fight about? That's why a lot of movements are now a big thing. Every movement has a start and an end, but the church never has. The gospel is still moving forward. Mm-hmm. And if there's any purpose that you could attach yourself to, right. that you would attach yourself to, to the gospel which God has put over your life. He's put a purpose over you. He has called you, he has appointed you, he has given you gifts. He has uh, put you in a certain job, a certain setting that God wants to use you. And if there's any purpose that as a ministry that we could attach ourselves to, I love just to, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll die on the fact that I just want to be the church in this community. Yeah. I don't wanna waste energy and sideways energy arguing about things that probably don't matter at the end of the day. (laughs) But if I keep the the, the agenda, Jesus, (laughs) that maybe we can make love the agenda because that's what people need. They need the love of Jesus. They need the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. That I'm gonna, man, I wanna pray and fight for your soul maybe for how you're living right now. Yeah. Because your soul matters more than the decisions you make. Because right now, when, when Jesus enters into a relationship with you, it changes the decisions. So I'll fight for that because that matters more. Yep, yep. And even a couple years ago, we had a guy come up at C, actually here at C12, uh, we started talking about baptism, talked about you know, his uh, theological stance on it, and we uh, sat and talked at the end of the night and, and uh, both just kind of on different sides of it. And at the end of the day, you know, I was like, man, I, I think we could talk about this all night long. I think there's just some hills I'm not willing to die on, but love is a hill I'm willing to die on. Mm-hmm. Because you don't get to pick and choose who you get to love. Mm-hmm. We don't yep. get to argue about that as a ministry. Yep. And so moving forward, what that looks like for us, I, I would say the biggest hope is, hey, what does it mean to be the church? Yeah. What does it mean to be the church here in Gwinnett County? Yeah. And so right now we're leaning into probably some big pillars. We're leaning into worship, we're leaning into community, and we're leaning into impact. Yep. That's why we're doing the things that we're doing right now at C12. That's why we have small groups. That's why I think really believe that groups is where you grow. How you get into community is by having other people hold you accountable and yep. to help you what, uh, to know what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah. And that's why we have right now kind of intergenerational uh, uh, small groups, that we have people that are older. I think there's probably two things that you can learn from in life. You can learn from mistakes or you can learn from mentors, but you pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, 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 and I would say that, hey, let's learn from people who probably have more wisdom, more life experience, yeah. who have, have, have maybe almost paved the way in mistakes, yeah. that, hey, don't do these things, don't make these yeah. things, that they could pour into you so that way that maybe, hey, in your 30s, in your 40s, 
Now, you're a better mom. You're a better dad. You're a better coworker. You're a better coach. You're a better leader because of your investment here. Yeah. That's our hope. That meant you'd be so rooted in Jesus here. You'd establish your identity. What's my calling? What's my purpose? You're making huge life decisions. And why do that in isolation? Yeah. Do that in groups. Allow people to pour into you. And we've often, and, and probably parts of our culture, want to have this peer-to-peer -peer mentorship. Mm -hmm. And we almost want the, the maybe relationship with somebody else. Well, why should you speak into my life? And allow their, just allow their, their life experience and their wisdom to speak into you because I think that's how you learn. That's how you grow. And I really believe groups is where you do that. And so uh, we're, we're launching into that. We've yeah. been doing small groups for a while now. Uh, well, not a while, a couple weeks. Uh, we've been talking about it for a while. Uh, but we've been uh, recruiting uh, intergenerational small groups into that. So yeah. if you're here in the room and you're like, man, I haven't been in on a group. I haven't uh, joined in on one. I, I want to learn from someone who's older than me. You know, we got a tons of intergenerational small groups uh, that, are, that are actually here inside C12. We got the, the McKinney's. If you don't know them, they're freaking awesome. Uh, they lead a, a small group uh, that is designed for people that are brand new to faith. Like, if you don't know what it means to follow Jesus, like, yeah. man, who is God? Who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, who is Jesus? Like, how, what, what am I, how am I supposed to pray? What am I supposed to do? What are the foundational things of what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Join that group. Mm -hmm. Maybe mm -hmm. there's things inside of, uh, man, I want to learn what it means to, to be a follower of Jesus in my own work setting. We got groups for that. We mm -hmm. have groups that fit different things because we know that you're in different demographics. So yeah. uh, we're super excited about that. Yeah. And we're latching into to impact in the new year and what it means to be the church. So yeah. that's why we're jumping in this next series. Yeah, and that starts next week. Yep. Yeah, so good. Um, guys, we're done, but I want to do something really important, and that's um, pray over Alex. But, but you know we're praying for this ministry. Alex is the leader that God has appointed, but God's still the leader. But God uses leaders to move his agendas forward, and so we want to pray blessing and favor um, and anointing more anointing over Alex as the leader that God would continue to give him vision and insight and discipline. And um, just, just from my viewpoint, dude, like you are a friend mm -hmm. and I love you so much mm -hmm. and I'm proud of you and I've never felt so good about a decision like this there's no doubt in my mind, and there's no doubt in the leadership, leadership team's mind, and so I wanna ask them to come up, and I'm gonna ask you to stand. Uh, we are a church rooted in prayer, and what that means uh, for us is um, hands up prayer. Um, we believe that there's a battle that needs to be won, and it's a spiritual battle, and we're all in it. Whether you think you are or not, you are in a spiritual battle. And if you could see the spiritual realm with your eyes, uh, I think you would be surprised how big the battle is. And so like Moses and Aaron and her, we, f we fight our battles uh, on our knees and with our hands up. And so I'm gonna ask you to put your hands up. We're gonna put our hands on you because rooted in prayer means hands up and hands on. So if you would put your hands up, we're gonna put our hands on. And I've asked Josh, uh, to pray over Alex, and um, as he prays, I'm just gonna ask you to pray as well. You can do that out loud, you can do that in your mind, in your own heart, however you feel led, um, and then we're gonna pray for this ministry as it moves forward, so two things, so. Lord, I, um, I've been at 12 Stone for seven years, and I 
have never seen someone as passionate about C12 as Alex. And there is no doubt that you have called him to this. Now I'm asking you to anoint him for yes, this, yes, Lord. Yes, yes, and Lord, I don't yes, ask for bottom of the barrel anointing, Lord. Yes, I yes, ask for a double portion, yes, a triple yes, portion yes, of anointing. Yes, anointing that goes beyond skill or strategy or talent yes, or yes, wisdom, Lord. I uh, ask for anointing that it only comes from the outpouring of your Holy Spirit, Lord. That literally the raining down from heaven for your agenda and your kingdom and for your glory. For the good of others and for the glory of God. Lord. So I ask that you would anoint Alex for this. And Lord, humility is a sure way to you than knowledge. So I would ask that you keep Alex humble before you as well, Lord. I ask that he would remain completely dependent upon you as he's searching for your mind and your heart and vision, Lord. But Lord, I ask that you Lord, would keep him humble, but also remind him that you are with him in this season as well, Jesus. Lord, I ask for a confident humility in him as he steps up and says yes to lead Jesus. But Lord, um, anoint him in ways that goes beyond even us being able to put it in English language to ask. So Lord, anoint him. But Lord, it's bigger than Alex. It's about this entire ministry. So just as Alex has said yes to stepping up, I ask that everyone in here would say yes to the role that they are to play as the kingdom of God rolls out through revival. And as we would see souls come to you, Lord, as we would see broken souls, broken hearts being redeemed and restored, relationships being restored, futures being restored. dreams being restored, callings being restored, Lord, and that the past would heal as well, Jesus. I ask that every one of us in here would say, would be a lot like Peter to go, I I, I don't feel qualified, but if Jesus, if you're going to give the invitation, I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to trust that you're going to use me because this is never built on me. It's always been built on you, always will be built on you. And if you're using foolish people, then sign me up because I'm part of that. So Lord, I ask that everybody in here would say yes to the calling that you have placed on their life. Lord, and it's bigger than us, and even in this room, it's about everyone who has not said yes to you yet, Lord. It is about rolling out the kingdom to even people that have will never step foot in a church, but we are called to go out, meet them where they are, and bring the love of Jesus to them, Jesus. So, Lord, pour out your spirit, keep us humble and dependent, but Lord, make us bold as well. Lord, open the gates of heaven rattle the gates of hell. And may, Lord, may through this movement, we see heaven a little more full and hell a little more empty. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. We are so excited for Alex as our new leader. Take some time to pray for him and for what's next with C12. If you would like to learn more about College of 12 Stone, give us a follow on Instagram at C12 Stone. Hope to have you join us next week.